Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right. Podcasting post last, we're recording one week, just one week post the overturn of Roe in the United States. And everything I do has a little bit different flavor. Mm. Um, And I like to think of it as an expanded flavor, some Mm. edge that I didn't know was a part of this work that I'm now discovering. Sometimes that feels very hard and defeating and rage inducing. And sometimes that feels very beautiful and opening and exciting and hopeful. Um, And that's because it is all those things. So this, you are actually my first guest recording since that. I recorded one episode by myself, but as soon as I started speaking, I was like, oh, there's something different here to, mm. to speak to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. How, how are we going to keep doing this? Mostly the same we've always been doing this, but we're going to welcome in anything new that needs to come. And I do think that um, in 2022, I've welcomed a lot more personal story to the podcast Um, and I do think there will be more and more Mm. and more to come. So thank you, Tierra Lynn, for being here today to share your story and your expertise, um, as a mother, as a woman, as a person, um, welcome, welcome to the show. How do you want to introduce yourself? Thank you. Um, hmm just as a human being having a human experience here right now, I interface a lot with birth in different contexts and I'm a somatic therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, So this, this embodied experience is a really important thing to me. And Mm -hmm. part of this embodied experience for me is a story of death, loss, letting go. And on Mm -hmm. the other side of it, great liberation and gratitude and love. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that as soon as you said, um, as soon as you started speaking, I noticed that I'm like, like my hands are practically in my pants right now. They're like holding my womb in like Mm. a very physical way. And as soon as you started speaking, I was like, I don't usually do that. Like, what's, Mm. what is that? You know, in that like, kind of like heart, like grounding way so as Mm. soon as you started speaking I was like oh that's why you're doing that (laughs) without words she's invited you to like really be in your in and with your body right now so yeah I thought I'd point that out yeah (laughs) it's interesting coming in to tell this story my my cycle's two days late and my blood is just starting to come right before I got on this call it's like, oh, oh wow. okay, of course. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, um, I just want to open the open the space for you to 
share with the audience um, your story and anything that feels relevant. And um, forgive me if I get excited and interrupt you, um, but I will jot down a few notes as you speak and refer back to those. Mm -hmm. um, the more ways we can hear people talk about abortion, the better. Yeah, and I'm just open to your questions or pauses or stopping me too, because I this is actually a story that I'm not sure how to tell. Mm. Um, I'm a good storyteller, and this yeah. is one that it's taken me two years to even know how to tell, not because it's tragic or there's shame buried in it or anything like that, but because it's so tender and precious mm -hmm. yeah. that I'm not sure how to give words to it, really. Yeah. Um so I can start, I have four biological kids. Yeah. I had my first child at 20. He was a child um, that was born from non-consensual sex. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, I live in a state where, and we were still under the protection of RVW that I was able to have the agency to make a choice as a 19-year-old pregnant woman who was mm -hmm. forced into pregnancy. Um, and it was in that having choice that I was able to choose to keep and love and accept and welcome him into my life. And I think it was really, really, really important that I knew that I had a choice. Mm. Um, it allowed me to choose motherhood. Yeah. Um, so then I went on to have two more children, um, who were born with my husband and their births were different. One was quite traumatic. One was a beautiful home, unassisted birth. Mm -hmm. And my third child uh, was born at 32 weeks gestation. Um, it was quite a journey. Mm -hmm. uh, I am pro rights and pro birthing autonomy in all areas, including this discussion. Um, so that really had me rise into like, my warrior, uh, mm. to meet that challenge mm -hmm. of her birth. And so when I got pregnant, um, just two years after she was born, uh, there was just so much there to unpack. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it was, I, when her water broke at 32 weeks, part of my processing was that, oh, wow, my other two pregnancies, I had had threatened early labor at the same gestation. Yeah. And so going into like finding out I was pregnant was this kind of very conflicting space of several little pieces that were happening. My partner and I, um, for the birth of Paonia, we had known each other for a month when I got pregnant with her. So we were still very much in like, okay, we had a baby unexpectedly and we have this blended family and we're both on these catapulted journeys of personal growth and spiritual development. And we're still navigating our relationship. And we had just come back together after like nine months of being apart. Mm -hmm. um, when I got pregnant, like the first time we came back together. Yeah. Uh, so there was that piece of my life kind of being, uh, um, just in a state of instability that wasn't good or bad. It just was. Yeah. Um, and there was also having four kids breastfeeding and being pregnant for a decade of my life. Um, just starting to find myself after divorce and unexpected and kind of traumatic birth um, and starting to be like, 
living for myself. Mm -hmm. That was starting to happen for the first time in my whole adult life was this like sense that, Oh, like my preferences mattered. And what did I want to do with my life? Um, and, and then there was the, can my body tolerate another pregnancy from being just so physically depleted, having threatened early birth in two pregnancies that then I finally did give birth prematurely. Like these were some factors of finding out I was pregnant and being like, wow, can I handle this? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I found out I was pregnant with him, I knew like when we, when we conceived, I had a roommate at the time who had called paramedics because she was having something happening. I don't know with her body systems. And we came out of the bedroom to an EMT and fire trucks and sirens and lights like (laughs) at my house. And I was like, whoa, what in the world is going on? And, you know, not too many, two weeks later, I kind of suspected that I was pregnant. Um, My cycle had been inconsistent because I was still breastfeeding. So I didn't have charting was unpredictable a little bit. I'm somebody who has a very sensitive vaginal microbiome. So condoms were never something that worked for us, um, for me. And, you know, we were in the heat of reconnection of rekindling our love for each other and got pregnant. It happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that baby came in with such force. I knew Mm -hmm. right away. He told me his name before he was before I could even have a positive pregnancy test. So his name is Arrow Sage. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very special being to me. Uh, and, you know, there was an immediate conversation with this little person, mm-hmm. uh, this little soul yeah. of like, hey, I'm really happy you're here. Yeah. And I love you. And I had a dream. He was olive skinned with curly black hair and super beautiful little being. Mm-hmm. And it was like, gosh, I just don't know how you fit here. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think I like let myself sit in that liminal space for, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I guess until eight weeks gestation. And I just really let myself be in that tenderness of not knowing of one day being very committed to a full body. Yes. I'm going to do this. Even if it, kills me. And even if it means I can't be present for my other kids. And even because, you know, even though I've always supported the right to choose, I always thought that I wouldn't be the one that would make that choice. You know, I support everybody's right, but that's not me. Um, and then some days I just, the volatility of my relationship, the exhaustion of parenting three young kids already. And I was like, no way. No, this is never happening. I can't do this. I, I commit to not having this baby. And this little, little, little buddy and I kind of just went back and forth and he let me very gracefully do mm. this dance of yes or no. And so many times brought me to tears with this knowing like, mama, I always love you. Mm. Mom, like I trust you. It was just so profound to be mm-hmm. in communion. Mm-hmm. Um because pregnancy like inherently thins the veil of reality versus expanded ever present, always everything at once here and now, you know? Um, so, so I was surprised. I mean, I always felt that communion with the soul of my child when I was pregnant, but I was surprised at how open this little being was to dialoguing Mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. 
you know? Um, so in that time of limbo, I did a lot of self-care. I was taking care of my body just in case I decided to stay pregnant. Mm -hmm. I was drinking my nettle infusions and eating all my yellow dock. Cause I was like, you know, okay, I want to be well-nourished, um, for birth was my, my intention to be well-nourished for birth and counseled with wise women and elders that I knew and midwives that I knew I had the good fortune of being a privileged woman who has a great community and who is a birth worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so those conversations were very easily available to me. Um, and I recognize they aren't for everybody and that breaks yeah. my heart. You know, um, I felt so held and at about eight weeks, I just, it just really became clear, um, that I had in states of trauma in my life had self-abandoned so many times Mm -hmm. for the benefit of others Mm -hmm. that that was really the choice I was making Mm -hmm. in this was not, do I want to be a mother? Not do I want to have this baby? Because those answers were yes. Mm -hmm. I love being a mother. I love little babies and little humans and little Mm -hmm. children. You know, that was not a question in my mind. The question was, am I going to Mm self-abandon? Am I going to sacrifice myself on the altar of motherhood and martyrism, you know, Mm -hmm. martyrdom? Or am I going to make a brave, courageous, difficult choice to choose me and to choose my own becoming? And once that got clear, like the little arrow was like, yes, Mm. this is why I came. This is the choice you're here to make. (laughs) And Mm. I was like, whoa, you know, um, and I think that was about eight weeks gestation. And at that point I chose to cut off contact from my partner. Um, my kids were, it was pandemic. We were all like closed up in our homes and couldn't leave anywhere. It was May of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, life was just absolutely insane, but in some amazing and beautiful way, it offered me this space for retreat. Mm -hmm. Um, so my other kids were with parents, their other parents off and on. And Mm -hmm. there was just a lot of space that magically was made for me, Mm -hmm. um, to go through this process. And so once I decided I spent like a week kind of assessing my options, um, Mm -hmm. I had been into Planned Parenthood and some other pregnancies early on, because as I, as I suggested earlier, that like agency of choice was always really important to me, knowing that I didn't have to do this, even though I was pregnant. Um, So I knew this time I didn't want to do it that way. Um, It didn't feel, it didn't feel like care Mm -hmm. and I knew I needed care, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose something different with the counsel of some other midwives. Um, I chose to use herbs and ceremony. And then, um, I did use medication, uh, at home alone. So mm-hmm. I did this lovely combination of all mm-hmm. of the things, yeah. uh, which I think was like a wholeness. There was a wholeness there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I don't know, like, I don't know if I can share specifics here. Uh, can I share, share sp- anything you want? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I started with uh, three days of parsley tea and 
um, inserted parsley into my yoni mm -hmm. and also did cotton root bark tincture. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did that for three days in deep, deep, deep ceremony uh, mm -hmm. with drumming and praying and laying naked on the earth and mm -hmm. wailing to the grandmothers under the full moon in my garden and really quite beautiful in the way that I was communing with with my ancestors, with this baby, with the earth, with my body, just really asking for grace, asking mm. for help to really let this process like of life die inside of me, because mm -hmm. that was really important to me that that arrow stage and this, this body that was developing and forming within me came to completion before there was a birth that felt like a really significant piece of it to me mm -hmm. um, so that my body knew what was happening um, so that he knew what was happening. And there was so many tears, cleansing tears and so much journaling. And I remember distinctly one night, like waking up, I think it was the third night waking up in the middle of the night, wide awake, drenched in sweat and just knowing that the process has had completed. Mm -hmm. and went out into I envisioned like the spiral blood vessels that were developing in my uterine wall kind of unspiraling mm. and fading and um, I went out into my garden and and sat in the full moon in like a deep deep squat under the full moon and I just mm. remember just praying to like grandmother and grandmother in general but also like the crone version of myself Mm -hmm. um, just really asking for love and guidance and support and forgiveness. Like may this be forgiven. May this be churned into rich fertile soil from which to grow. May this birth send out waves mm -hmm. into my future, you know, mm -hmm. and all the way to that, that ancient me that exists. Um, may this path bring me to her. Mm -hmm. And it was so potent. I've never actually experienced such a deep coming home to myself mm. as that. Um, and then the day of just happened to be the day before Mother's Day that year mm. uh, that I decided to actually release um, the pregnancy. So I used uh, medication inserted vaginally. I chose mm -hmm. that because I didn't want the gastro side effects of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was effective, <laughs> you know, as yeah. it is. And, um, I had a playlist playing, I had made a playlist for this baby. It's called Aerosage. It's on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just had it kind of playing at random and I was just deep, deep in birth. It was birth. It was not anything else. And I think that I was yeah. really surprised by that, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. how much it was birth. Uh, so I had my ceremonial space to nest in my room. And even though I knew I was birthing some, I was birthing death in some ways, mm -hmm. I also was acutely aware that I was birthing life. Um, it was really, really quite powerful. And so I had, you know, all of my sacred things going and my drum near me and my cozy bed and tea. And I put a big a sacred vessel, a big bowl by my bed on a towel. And that's where everything that was being released, urine and contents of the pregnancy were going into that bowl. Um, 
I set an altar up by my bed and um, really just every time a song would move to me, would move me, I would just save it to the playlist. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have this like journey to return to. I've returned Mm -hmm. to it so many times. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then I stayed in kind of like a sacred container of my room for three days with the contents of my pregnancy near me and just prayed and loved and connected and held and took as much time as I needed to grieve to feel the confusion to wonder if it was the right choice but Mm -hmm. to know that deep knowing was there that said yes like you followed your guidance you made a choice this choice is powerful and Mm. on the last day I had a dream of this baby in my bed with me and I turned around, he was at my back and I turned around and I just got to in this part, like really is so touching to me because it was such a gift from him that like I got to hold him like as just a newborn and we just held, I just held and I just loved him and, you know, apologized, but not in a, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yeah. But in a, I'm so sorry that this is how our journey together ended this life. Like, and I love you and I release you and I let you go. And, you know, um, we stayed in that space for a long time. And then that morning I had this profoundly lucid dream (laughs) of this arrow (laughs) that was blazing through time and space mm. like from mm. me from my heart like cutting through layers of occlusion and conditioning and patterns and landing somewhere so far off in the distance that I couldn't even see where it went and I knew that my journey now was to follow this arrow mm. and to trust that wherever that arrow landed mm-hmm. was like where the the ripples like like birth I like to think of birth as like are you are like earth it's like this pool of potential and possibility and when a baby lands here it like Mm -hmm. makes these waves that we just don't even know like the impact of and so I birthed something so powerful and I birthed my own path to myself Mm. and back home to me um and so that's the journey that started in May of 2020 that has been really powerfully burning through my life Mm. um you know and so that day I went out to the garden and I had a burial ceremony for him and I sang and I prayed and I returned his body to the earth um, by a peony bush in our yard and um, just really took my time with that whole thing and buried him with sacred herbs and crystals that had been a part of my ceremony that whole time. And, and then there, you know, it's time to repair with my partner and invite him back into the space. It was so important that I did that alone. Like, he couldn't have been there because there was so much relationally between us that I wanted that baby. That was the part of us, mm-hmm. you know, like that. And so then he and I had to have, he was very sad and 
experiencing a lot of grief and um, maybe wouldn't have made the same choice that I did. And Mm -hmm. so I couldn't hold that for him while I was holding my process. Yeah. Yeah. And we came back together and, uh, you know, I had to share with him that he had to let this being go too, because it was Mm -hmm. not fair for us to contain this this being on this, in this realm, like, and that his work, it was really important that he let arrow go. Um, Mm -hmm. so that arrow could be free and, and he's still here with us all the time. And (laughs) I still feel him everywhere I go and every sacred experience I've had since then, there's been an arrow (laughs) that has shown up. Um, it's been beautiful. Even I had a sacred tattoo ceremony where I let this woman tattoo something on me and I didn't know what it was going to be. And it has an arrow drawn on it. <laughs> uh, so it all, it all came together in this really beautiful way. But, you know, I think the important piece of this, this, there's so much, like I could tell the story for two hours or I could mm-hmm. condense it into 20 minutes, you know, but like, I think the deepest point of it for me is that like, it's so personal the causes and conditions that each of us is working in our lives is so personal mm-hmm. that, yeah, when I was 19, I didn't make this choice. And now at 30 something with three kids and a stepdaughter in a complex life and, you know, having done so much of my own excavation and healing from my own traumas that that was the choice I made this time. And, yeah. you know, um, I have very little concern of what anybody thinks about me mm-hmm. around this choice. Like it was, it was the right choice for me and this baby. And I, we shared dialogue and we made peace with each other and it was between us mm-hmm. really. And that's my partner recognized that too. Like, this is your body that has yeah. to do this. And I have my own feelings about it, but I can't, I can't choose the right thing for your body. Yeah. And ultimately he had to lean into like trusting the, my feminine nature and trusting my feminine knowing. And that was really reparative for us as well. Oof, yeah. So, um, so yeah. And then eight months later he got a vasectomy actually, mm-hmm. um, which was a really, really, uh, powerful choice for him to make too. Yeah. Yeah. To see to see the journey, to see the journey of our premature daughter, to see the journey of uh, pregnancy release and to like make the choice. Like I'm never going to put the woman I love in this position again. And I'm going to take that responsibility. Um, and yeah, the last two years of my journey have been wild since I let that pregnancy go wild. Oh, I have so many things to say, but one was, what was the impact of the way that you moved through this and that I think is what has been your last two years yeah but um I hear so much that like the the way that you chose to move through this is as much a part of the story as the fact that it happened like and so for you what was the impact of having moved through this journey in this way? Oh gosh. Um, hmm. A profound like return of trust of myself, trusting that I know the way, trusting in my own wisdom and also 
like a deep, deep trust in life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like the most concise impact of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, but also like little things, choosing to show up as a better mother, the way that I mother my kids that are here has transformed the conversations that I have with people have transformed, but like it's changed everything. But that return of like, I can trust myself. Yeah. I know my way. I know what I need. Um, yeah, it was really, really, really powerful. Mm. And to guide my own ceremony, <laughs> not look outside of myself for anybody to do that for me. And to yeah. know that if I woke up in the middle of the night and like, oh, I saw the moon in my window and I need to go lay naked under the moon. And I didn't know why. And when I got there, all of a sudden I started talking to grandmother and I didn't know why. You know, and I just really like surrendered any sense of cognitive thinking. I know the way and let my body lead my way. Yeah. Um, Oh, and one more thing. Oh yeah. Go ahead. That all birth is sacred. All pregnancy outcomes. All of them. Sacred. Because if you have something gestating inside of you and it comes out you're birthing yeah and it doesn't matter what I mean it does matter but it's like the birthing itself is potent yes yeah what do you say to the listener who is probably the vast majority maybe even like 99 percent of the listeners right now who hear your story, recognize the like deep, potent beauty in it and value in having moved through your experience the way that you have. And they're having thoughts right now, like, I wish I had done that. I wish I had seen that. I wish my experience was like that. Um, And I can't go back. I did it a different way. Um, I have my own thoughts and beliefs about that, but I'd love to hear your wisdom around supporting that person in, um, in making peace with their story and their way and their journey and their birth. Yeah. I think that from the somatic therapist's perspective, (laughs) repair is always possible. Always. It's always possible. And like the truth is that health and wholeness is our inherent state. And so in that journey, whatever it looked like for that person, whatever it looked Mm -hmm. like for you, Mm -hmm. there is health and wholeness to find. And so that would be my way of working with that with somebody is to help them find the health and wholeness that was there because it's always there because if it wasn't, we wouldn't be here. And so even though there are layers of regret or, you know, a felt sense of missing out on something or sadness and grief about the way it went, like those things can be there and that might never change. That's, that might be a part of the story and where's the health? Where's the wholeness? Where is the goodness? Where is the wisdom? What is the gem there? Because I know it's there. Yes. Always are. They're always there. Both are always there. 
Yeah. One little phrase I heard right after I asked the question and as you were talking was like, I forgot how you worded it. Like it's all birth, like, mm-hmm. right. I forget how you worded it, but what I heard was, um, for some people that the active labor of that birthing is longer than others, right? Like mm-hmm. if you are processing your abortion stories through a new lens years later, decades later, um, that's just your, your labor took longer and that's okay. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. That, okay. It sounds like you understand that to, in yeah. the way it's coming through in my mind, but, um, And that just speaks to everything is about the story we tell about it, right? And we can find the narrative and the perspective that serves our highest good, no matter what our story looked like. Yeah. And like, I like to always say, like our story maybe doesn't change or our history doesn't change, but our relationship to it can change. Yes. And that's like the powerful piece. And then you made me think about like, yeah, every birth is sacred. And then thinking about, okay, well, every bleed we have as women is a birth (laughs) and thinking to these women who maybe are just now birthing the wisdom of their story, the birthing the wisdom of their abortion. It's like working with their blood. And so that ceremonialist side of me would, would say like, work with your blood that you have now. Totally. Like, as I was listening to your story and I took a million notes and I'm probably not (laughs) even going to talk about any of them. Um, I thought so many pieces of the, of your story, someone can recreate in, in their their life now. Like Uh there's just because you did it during the release of that pregnancy doesn't mean you can't incorporate all of that ceremony and your own called pieces of it. Now there it's never too late. It's never too late. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, one note I, I wrote down that I do want to talk about is, um, you, you said at one point, it's also personal. And I think what I love about hearing you speak so much is um, this space of when we face it all, all of it, the life, the death, the all of it, and let it be what it is, it's okay. There's peace in that. And when we resist that complexity, when we fight against that and try and make it some one thing or another, that's when we create conflict. And that's what we're seeing right now is so much conflict that comes from resisting the complexity of life and death and spirit and humanity. Mm. Um, It just, I mean, I know that truth, but it just felt so clear as I was listening, listening to you. Yeah, I agree. I think that all like cliche saying of what we resist persists, right? Like as soon as we start resisting the wholeness or the the entirety of this story, or even on a like more meta scale, I think this bigger debate is that we can't culturally face death. We're unwilling to face that that is an inherent part of this life. 
So we're trying to shut off and yes. like keep it all out. Like, okay, if we get rid of everything that symbolizes or makes us look at this reality of death, then everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And yeah, we just have yeah. to accept it as the way. It's interesting. I was talking to my kids yesterday. I haven't really talked to them about my story. Uh-huh. They know that I lost a baby or they know that I had a baby that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but they started asking questions about it yesterday. Mm-hmm. It just came mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and I finally shared with them the whole story and why I chose what I chose and mm. what the process was like and where the baby buried and all the, all the pieces and my three and four and six or three and six and eight year old, not one of them had anything negative to say any judgment, any, they just, it just was. And then my eight-year-old daughter said, well, that makes sense because sometimes I feel like I miss something and I don't know what it is. And I think it's him. And I was like, I miss him too. It's sad. Yeah. It's sad and it's beautiful. And it just is. It just is. So yeah, it just is. And when we sit with all of it, like they, the massive amounts of feeling layered in it. Yeah, we just, we can't help but grow and expand and find peace. Even this weekend, so I learned about the the decision um, last Friday and I went to a music, like a music festival for three Mm. days after. And then I bumped into someone and, you know, she, as expected, said, how are you doing? And I said, all the things, every single feeling. And she was like, wow, I don't, I don't think I'm having every feeling. And I was like, I really am. Like the depth of my gratitude is bigger now. The depth of my joy here this weekend is bigger because Mm -hmm. the other side is bigger too. Like my rage is stronger. My grief is, is bigger. Um, And we're never if we pay attention and we're never just expanding in one direction, like it's all there all the time. And when we see it, it, it grows. Mm -hmm. And then, then once it, once we let it grow and grow and grow and grow, we realize that it can all be contained in the same holding and it's all okay right there. And we don't have compartmentalized little pieces. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have a teacher who often says, I feel some kind of way. I feel some kind of way. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got on and we just said, I am. When I say a lot, yeah. I'm human. Yeah. Um, you know, deeply connected spirit, but I'm just human. Like I'm feeling yeah. all the human-y things. Yep. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. we're here is to feel yeah. the human-y things like yeah. resisting the part of us that is human and is feeling and is struggling and is finding conflict and complexity um, is resisting why we came. Like we mm-hmm. didn't have to, I mean, this is just my belief system, but we didn't have to choose this human journey, but we did. So let's be in it. All yeah. Of- yeah. 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 <sighs> I know. Um, I think the final thing I wanted to wrap up around like all birth is sacred is my personal belief that all birth is a beckoning and an invitation towards transformation. Yeah. 
And so that's really what we're harnessing in these stories. And we can harness that potential at any moment, you know, it's always there. And so like, what is your birth begging you to transform or inviting you to transform? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I think it's not a conversation we um, need to, or I necessarily want to get into any kind of depth around, but I think that's what's happening in our nation right now is like, you're in a really ugly transition, but what it is, is an opening to see things we've never seen before, an opening to transform things to see that we've never had access to transform before. Yeah. Um, and as awful as it is, it it is a birth of something. And in many ways we've asked for it. We've asked for something better. And sometimes something better comes through a really ugly storm. And so again, I don't have all the words to have this conversation right now, but it's all the same. It's all the same. Yep. Macro, micro, (laughs) yep. It's like the whole scale and it's like, uh, yeah, the only way out is through any of these processes. And, you know, in the last two years as I've, okay. So my prayer was like that arrow launched all the way to that, like crone of me and was Mm -hmm. like anchored there. That's where you're going. Well, man, have I had to go through some uncomfortable places in the last (laughs) two years that the only thing I could say when somebody would be like, how are you? is like super uncomfortable, you know? And I think collectively we are in that super uncomfortable place right now. And it's supposed to be uncomfortable right now. This isn't supposed to be easy. This isn't supposed to feel light. Like, yeah, this is the discomfort that can grow us if we receive it as the opportunity. Yeah. All we have Um, to do is be willing. Yeah. That's it. Be willing. And enough of us have to be willing. And that's the tricky part is when, um, especially right now when it feels like we're not, we're not all on the same page, not that we ever should all be on the same page, but like birth is a lot harder, harder when we're fighting in it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I cannot thank you enough. I feel so blessed that I get to share this conversation. I know um, you really only briefly mentioned a couple of herbs. Anyone who is listening to this podcast thinking about their own abortion or is faced with a future abortion, like work with midwives, work with healers, um, just hearing the name of an herb and doing what you want with it is, is not the way. Um, there's so many ways. I love the beauty of the blend of your experience. Mm -hmm. Um, reach out. There are people who know how to help you. I am not one of them, but there are many who know how to help you. And so you get to do this your way. Um, and there are people who can help you do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. It was thank a real you. honor to be able to share with you. And this is the first place my story has really been shared out loud other than within my private yeah. safe container. So I'm really grateful that you have this platform and we're willing to let me speak and share. Yeah. And actually, okay, this is too hard to end these conversations. But I think a lot of us have these intimate stories that have felt like I'm not sharing it because I have shame. I'm not sharing it because it's intimate and it's mine and it's precious. And I think there are a lot of us who are going to be called 
to, to share more of what felt like ours for the collective highest good. Yep. Yeah. I think so too. I held it. I, I was with it. I stayed with it for as long as I needed to. And now that medicine is a gift to the world and not just for me any either. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.